1: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, USBets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And I'm going to start the show by talking about something we typically talk about at the end of the show, NFL picks. Uh, Spoiler for when I recap our results later, but we picked all six playoff games against the spread last week, and I felt pretty good about my picks, and I thought to myself, Man, if I happen to go six and oh, and I don't put any real money on it, I'm going to be kicking myself. So I took a shot on a six game parlay at a shade under 50 to one. And of course, I went five and one, as one does with six team parlays. And mm-hmm. the worst part is that my Eagles fandom, which steered me toward them getting eight and a half points, was the only thing separating me from a nice bankroll boosting win. Here's my question for you, John Which was my more punishable betting sin? betting too big a parlay or betting with my
0: heart i mean eric after three and a half years of this weekly podcast you might think i automatically will pick parlay <laughs> and that's usually true i'll admit but uh, here now it was betting with your heart i pointed out the eagles were bullies nine and two versus also rams and oh and six against playoff teams right and the bucks 28 20 regular season win was misleading because they had nearly double the yardage time possession of the eagles who got a garbage time td late to make it look respectable and you knew both of those things i could tell. Yep. But I guess the heart, it wants what it wants. (laughs) I
1: guess so. The fact is I, I bet an amount so small that I won't miss it as one should do with a 50 to one shot. Yes. Uh, but, but the pain is still there because I came close to the win. Um, what one person on Twitter suggested, I should have done two versions of the bet one where I take the bucks, but mm. if I'm going to do that, I may as well just do one five team parlay instead of two 6 six-team parlays. <laughs> the, fact, the fact is I, I thought the Eagles could cover and uh, you know, they didn't end up that far away from a shot at another Uh-oh. ugly backdoor Uh-oh. cover.
0: Uh-oh. 31 well, nothing. Right. No, but
1: I'm just saying. Then they made it 31 uh, 15. And if they'd gotten yeah, the ball back one more time, they yeah, were going to try. I'm just saying. It wasn't like completely out of the question that they could have saved me. But, you know, yeah, uh, no question about it. Big parlays tilt more in the house's favor than straight bets. And, uh, you know, betting on the team you're rooting for, if you don't see an actual betting edge there, is a bad idea. It doesn't mean you should never bet on the teams you root for. Um, I. Happened to have a nice win last night on Joel Embiid's points over, which he cleared by 21 and a half. Um, but uh, definitely, if you want to be a winning better in the long run, you have to take emotion out of it. Uh, oh, and and, and also uh, don't bet against uh, Tom Brady. That's uh, also probably a good rule.
0: Oh, that's a, a teaser for your uh, pick this weekend. I
1: think. <laughs> maybe, may or maybe I'm trying to throw you off the scent. All right, well, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 177 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 176 episodes, they're all available on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. You shouldn't bet with your heart, but you should rate and review podcasts with your heart. As long as your heart is telling you this podcast deserves five stars.
0: Like that. Uh, coming up a little later on the show, we're going to be joined by Brienne Dura She had worked in recent years for the National Council on Problem Gambling and for Epic Risk Management, but she's starting 22 here by going out on her own with Dura Consulting LLC. We'll ask Brianne, uh, why she made this move, how various states are doing with problem gambling funding, and how the industry is doing from a diversity perspective. But first, it's been, a, I would say, a typically busy week in the world of gambling. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
1: We spent the bulk of the news segment last week on New York's mobile launch, and a week later, it's still the biggest story in the industry, so that's where we'll begin once again. Uh, First off, a fifth online sportsbook launched on Monday morning with BetMGM joining in on the fun nine days after FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars, and BetRivers took their first bets. We should mention that PointsBet is believed to be next in line, launching any day now potentially. Then there are the numbers. According to GeoComply, the number of transactions in the state in the second weekend, uh, NFL wildcard weekend, slightly exceeded the number during the launch weekend. 17.9 million versus 17.2 million. Uh, But following up on our conversation last week about how much New Jersey handle and revenue will be hurt by the arrival of New York, New Jersey appears to be doing just fine as the state saw an average of 12.6 million geo-complied transactions the two weekends before New York launched, an average 13.1 million the two weekends since. Uh, there are a lot of potential factors, including the first weekend of playoff football being a bigger deal than regular season football. John, what do you make of the numbers and what's been happening in New York? And with 24 days of activity by the end of the month, any chance New York overtakes New Jersey as the top betting state in January, and doesn't even have to wait for February?
0: All right, my short answer is no. I bet that New Jersey wins January. Way to my betting with my heart. <laughs> hope not. Yeah, I don't have to think about that. But uh, I'm intrigued by the monster initial numbers in New York. You know, there's some hope that a lot of it is money exiting the illegal bookmaker side. Well, I'm not quite convinced of that, you know, but maybe the old customer base of the so-called corner bookie is more loyal to them than young people are who have gambled only online with some offshore sports book. That's possible. I think if New Jersey and New York start combining for 2 billion in handle right out of the gate, that might underscore our colleague Jeff Edelstein's article suggesting there's plenty of handle occurring in Jersey This is isn't even coming for either state, but rather big spender syndicates from all over the place, all over the country, maybe all over the world, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, one last note, too. MGM had, had an investor conference call on Wednesday, and there's lots of good news expressed there. Uh, One-game parlay betting uh, are the next big thing for them. They're already doing it, and they're producing margins of higher than 30%. Even better, BetMGM says it's expanding its parlay options the next six months. Of course, the great news here is the uh, if you're an investor. Uh, wait. So if you like single game parlay bets, well, in industry technical terms, you are known as a donor. <laughs> but maybe that next shift comes in, right, Eric? Who knows?
1: That's right. I actually uh, have penciled in my notes here to uh, to get around to some parlay thoughts of my own when we get to our next news story. So <laughs> okay. we'll be spreading parlay talk throughout sure. the podcast this week. But um, I think you might be uh, betting with your heart a little bit on New Jersey. I, I think... I think New York versus New Jersey in January is going to be close. Uh, New York is averaging about 33% more transactions, but New Jersey has about 29% more days in the month to work with. New Jersey still presumably has those big syndicate bets coming in uh, that that you mentioned from Jeff's article, that those are the number of transactions may not be reflected of the size of some of those transactions. But New York has the bonus of a lot of people doing that big quote-unquote risk-free first bet at various sites you know people who might settle into betting 20 25 bucks on a game are coming out firing with a thousand dollar bet because if it loses they get it back to bet with again so that juices the handle quite a bit um there do happen to be five football weekends in january and new york only missed one of them they still have two to come I'm going to go ahead and make the prediction that New York actually will have higher betting handle in January than New Jersey. Uh, but I'll also predict that revenue will be quite modest because there are so many promotional credits being given out. There are spread the loves and and hammer the overs. Um, it's It's a great time to be a better in New York. I'll say to the New Yorkers, enjoy the freebies while you can. Because they don't last forever, uh, he says, wistfully from forgotten Pennsylvania, where I get no spread the love anymore and where my hammer the over is limited to five dollars and two cents.
0: Yeah. And especially when uh, right you're in a high high tax state like Pennsylvania or New York. Uh, so come to Jersey. We're only 13 uh, percent <laughs> online mobile sports betting tax.
1: <laughs> always stumping for Jersey. Always finding a way. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a perfect lead into our second story. It's related to our first story. Last Friday, the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement released handle and revenue numbers for December, the final month without any competition from New York, at least online. And for the fourth month in a row, New Jersey broke the billion-dollar barrier, generating handle of $1.23 billion, bringing total sports handle for the year to nearly $11 billion, $10 billion of which was bet online. A hold was not as high as in November, with the books generating $59 million of revenue in December. But that was nothing compared to the online casino revenue for the month, which was a record $133.2 million. Uh, None of the other major states have reported December handle and revenue yet. Pennsylvania could drop their numbers while we're recording this podcast. But John, any thoughts on the December numbers in New Jersey, the total 2021 figures, and what any of it might suggest about what to expect in 2022?
0: Yeah, I mean, the books made in New Jersey made so much money, over $100 million in November that, recall that I said I hoped that would lead to a lower handle in December, right, as losing bettors licked their wounds and Mm -hmm. and, uh, were... Very responsible. <laughs> that didn't quite happen. Now. But the betters chopped the house's bottom line in half to just under its 5%. So maybe they shouldn't have been uh, continuing to wager so much, but they didn't lose as much. I'm not sure. But I have. To admit, I can't see New Jersey ever again finishing a year as king of the hill in sports betting handle as it uh, did for the last four years. So it was a good run, nay, a great run. Uh, You know, we'll see how long it takes, but New York is just too big. It reminds me of the Republic of Ireland soccer team. uh, New Jersey, too, is feisty and scrappy like that. It pulls off the upset here and there. When the dust settles, someone else will have to hoist the trophy Still no shame and a valiant effort by us Jerseyans.
1: <laughs> yep. No, as you said, very good run. Uh, but I do think I think it's going to end uh, sooner, sooner yeah, than you do, right. as we discussed. But um, so this I is mean, where I'll drill down on the parlay hold numbers, because <clears throat> compared to the hold numbers on straight bets, they are really staggering. Looking at uh, December in New Jersey or actually for the whole year, Um Man, 17.5% hold for the year on parlay bets in New Jersey versus an average of about 4% for everything else. That is crazy. And I don't think the sportsbooks saw that disparity coming when they first launched. Uh, it's, It's really in the past year or two that they've realized their entire marketing plan should be centered around parlays. Parlays tap into the same part of your brain As DFS tournaments. You know, I can turn 20 bucks into a million dollars if all nine of the players in my lineup perform near the top of their range. Uh, you know, so sure. Why not me? Why, why can't it be my turn this week? You know, there's strategy to it. If you use models and projections and you understand correlation, you have a better chance at winning than the average Joe smashing buttons, but you still need to get insanely lucky. But we all believe we might. So let me try this eight leg same game parlay. That's the dream that the sportsbooks are selling. What they don't really want is the analytical bettors picking 20 different player prop over unders and not parlaying them and just going like 13 and seven against the book. That's what they're hoping to avoid. Uh, but in terms of these putting them all together into these parlays, they're coming out uh, way ahead. And, and I realize that I've gotten a little off the topic of, uh, of just focusing on these New Jersey numbers, but uh, certainly we'll say that December was a huge month in New Jersey, and uh, we should continue to see massive numbers in the other states as well as they roll out their figures.
0: Yeah, you're talking about something too, like kind of primal, like, so you love the Chiefs. So you think, Definitely, they're going to cover the spread. And Pat Mahomes is going to get over 292.5 passing yards or whatever. And Kelsey is going to get over 82 yards or whatever it's going to be. And whatever running back of the week they have is going to get over 62 and a half yards. Like all that's going to happen. And then, of course, one injury and you're dead um, or anything else goes wrong. So then the Chiefs do cover, let's say, in that game. And Mahomes is a huge game, but you know, Kelsey didn't, wasn't targeted. He was he was triple teamed a lot or whatever. Right. And yep. so you get two out of three and then you lose. It's just uh, amazing. And you mentioned, you know, what are the, what are they trying to get you to take? We're in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. You get bombarded with free casino, unlike casino offers, you know, a uh, hundred dollars, you know, free bets can't lose, you know, blackjack, whatever. Like, well, why are they offering these things? I mean, there's a reason obviously. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh that's how it happens. And, uh, you know, it's a, a, a wise consumer, you know, can figure this stuff out and, and move from there. It's okay. I mean, a free market and all, but uh, definitely, uh, you know, bet with your head not over it and consider why they're promoting single game parlays <laughs> and unlike a casino in a state that has that.
1: Yeah. And it's, and I guess, and the one thing that really separates these, you know, multi leg parlays from DFS, even though I, equated them to an extent in that exact scenario you lay out if Travis Kelsey kind of has a, a crap game and he's my tight end, but all the other pieces did pretty much hit, I still might get a small cash. There's still mm. something to be returned with a good but not great lineup in a parlay, good but not great's not good enough you get zero. Mm. All right, uh, we move away from the east Coast for our third story this week. we head to the heartland where our colleague Jill Dorson, broke some big news on Sports Handle on Wednesday missouri is getting ready to consider sports betting legislation and uniquely the bills are backed by the existing casinos in the state and six professional sports teams the teams in the casinos work together with legislators to produce a package to everyone's liking under the bills each casino operator will get three mobile skins per property with a max of six skins so penn national and caesars which each own three missouri casinos They each get six skins, just like the companies with two properties, while Bally's with just one casino gets three skins. On top of that, each sports team, the Cardinals, Royals, Chiefs, Blues, and a male soccer team and a female soccer team, they get one mobile betting skin apiece, but no retail betting location. The tax rate would be 10%. There's an official league data mandate. And there are two versions of the bill for now, one that includes video lottery terminals, or VLTs, and one that doesn't. Jill did not get a scoop on what the timeline might look like. But for a state that hasn't made much noise on the sports betting front yet, this is a significant step forward. John, what do you think of the way the various entities are working together here? And are you starting to worry, as I am, that within about three years or so, every state that's going to legalize will have legalized and will have very little in the way of legislation and speculation left to write about.
0: Oh, Eric, we'll always have Texas <laughs> and maybe <laughs> California and maybe Florida too. There's a lot of miles to go before those two states sleep on uh, legalizing sports betting, I think. Uh, uh, plus that esports betting explosion idea that gets a full right. panel at every single gaming conference. Maybe it's right around the corner. Who knows? That's yeah. a possibility. So there's more to come. Uh, first of all, mad props to the Penn National and Caesars lobbyists here in the State House. It's a tremendous work. Um, <laughs> although maybe a Bally's backer kept them from running up the score on skin. Right. So a little <laughs> prop there, too. Uh, Missouri is a good one because the, the more skittish states, they tend to listen more closely when a kindred state dips its toe in the gambling water. As I've said for years, when Nevada, Delaware and New Jersey dive in head first, those states just sort of roll their eyes because those three states are always first movers on anything gambling. Of course, this legitimate analysis led me to believe that Pennsylvania legalizing online poker three or four years ago would open the floodgates, especially after Michigan, another kind of sober state when it comes to gambling, followed suit. And yeah, not so much. We're kind of stalled there. But um, so perhaps some flyover country states. And I know they love that description. (laughs) They're going to sit back and say to Missouri. Yep. First, uh, show me state when it comes to sports betting.
1: Yeah. And uh, the approach that they're taking here is is certainly a smart one. You know, there's no guarantee of passage, but getting all the entities in the state on board together like this, you know, unless you have a bunch of state senators and representatives who have some big moral objection, it it seems a pretty good chance you're going to get it passed this way. Um, In terms of the spread of legalization and uh, whether we're going to run out of things to write about, um, it, it definitely is moving a little faster now than I might've anticipated. I think that New York getting off the ground and throwing around these big tax numbers is serving as a wake up call elsewhere. Um, but as you point out, we do still have California, which yeah might get moving via referendum this November, but it'll pr- more likely things are going to stretch out at least another year or so past that to get the pieces in place, maybe more than just a year or so. Uh, then Texas. Yeah, that feels more like a 2024, 2025 type of thing at the earliest. Um, but, you know, it's possible that by 2025, we could be at like 45 states, including all the big ones. That's that's possible. Even if that happens, I think it's just fine for us in the gambling media who need things to cover. There will be controversies and legislative tweaks and revenue numbers, of course, to cover in all these states. And the big thing is that there will still be plenty of states looking into online casino and what you mentioned, online poker. That Stuff hasn't moved too fast yet, but maybe that's the big legislative wave of the second half of the decade. So one way or another, I suspect, will be just fine in terms of the news not
0: drying up. And there will be corruption, and there will be lawsuits, and uh, there will be uh, trials and yeah, that's all good stuff. And uh, most of all, I think it's an old not country good, song.
1: Good stuff from a journalist's point of view, maybe yeah, not well, actually yeah. good stuff. <laughs>
0: not for the people, uh, you know, on the other end of it. But and I think it's an old country song. It says, uh, "God bless Texas." I'm going to keep that in mind. Okay. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble on interview.
1: Last time we had Brianne Dora Shawal on the podcast a little under two years ago, she was the legislative director for the National Council on Problem Gambling, and Rudy Gobert was a few hours away from testing positive for COVID. Needless to say, a lot has changed since then. Uh, for Brianne specifically, she left the NCPG, became Vice President of U.S. Policy and Strategic Development for Epic Risk Management, and then left that position just recently to start her own consulting firm, Dora Shawal Consulting, LLC. She was also listed by Global Gaming Business Magazine as one of the 25 people to watch for 2022. We're excited to talk to her again. Brianne, welcome back to Gamble On.
2: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, wonderful to be back. How much has changed, huh? And not just in my career.
1: Right. Quite a lot. Yep. Um, So congratulations on getting your consulting firm off the ground. I'll start with the obvious question. Why this career move right now? And since we're all in the gambling industry, I have to ask, do you view this move as a gamble?
2: Yeah, so great question. Why now? I think that it's no secret that the industry has had a very unique proliferation. And we've seen not only just this massive expansion, but now we're starting to see those that have embarked upon the journey of legalization of online gaming and sports we really starting to examine what they did well or maybe not so well and that's really where i see such a unique and wonderful opportunity because there's a lot of buzz now about things like advertising and cashless and problem and responsible gambling and that's that's my sweet spot right that's what i've been studying for all these years from a whole variety of different perspectives so I'm going to flip it and say, why not now? Why not capitalize on the opportunities that are out there? And yes, is that a gamble? Yes, but it's a gamble and an opportunity that I want to take on myself, Uh, not just for opening the next chapter for my career, but also for my family. I want I kind of want it all. I'm a little selfish. I want to have the career and make the difference to create a safe, sustainable industry. But I also want to be a really involved mom. My family is everything. And this is going to give me that freedom to create my own way.
0: Uh, yeah. So, Brian, I talk about, uh, you know, you're ubiquitous at all the gaming events the last three or four years. You know, there's a bunch of us are sort of on the circuit where, you know, none of us make it to every single event of, you know, the last 20, but you know, some of us make it to most of them. And you're certainly one of them. So uh, you're well known to so many people in that industry and a lot of our subscribers. So so which of those people, whether individuals or uh, businesses, would be, you know, likely to want to do have a partnership with you? What What's to your sort of the range of your uh, interests and, and, and adding clients?
2: So, I think I'm in a very unique and a wonderful place that I've had the privilege of working with all the different stakeholders within the gaming ecosystem. As you say, many of us do this circuit, but my circuit kind of extends even beyond that of just the gaming world where I'm going to legislative and regulatory conferences. I am also going to those conferences, et cetera, around public health and addiction. And so my network is quite vast. My relationship are really the thing that I hold closest to me, the thing I'm most grateful for. So ideal clients or anyone that is involved within this gaming ecosystem that has taken a hard look at their organizational priorities, wanting to make it as safe and sustainable as possible. So right now I do work with legislative bodies that are wondering if it's important to allocate funds for problem gambling, or I work, with regulators about what it is that they need to be doing to own their part. I love working with the industry, as many of you know and have seen. I think the industry is where so much change can be precipitated in the absence of policy. And then of course, where I got my start with those advocacy groups and the local councils doing the hard but important work in the communities and on the ground with those that are struggling every day. So I believe that anybody who's in this walk of life uh, in the gaming world owns a piece of this, um, you know, safety responsibility and, and I, feel that I am in a unique and wonderful position to assist them.
1: So I mentioned that uh, Global Gaming Business Magazine list, where for the first time ever, there are more women and minorities on the list than men. What's your feeling on where the industry currently stands in terms of diversity? Like the, The only time I've been at a public industry event in the last couple of years was at SBC North America several weeks ago, and the room still seemed to me overwhelmingly male and almost as overwhelmingly white. So is there progress being made on that front?
2: Well, I think I am indicative of some progress being made, right? I am opening my own firm as a woman in gaming. I think that is a signal that... There are opportunities, uh, and I'm not alone, right? Susan Hensel, uh, Sarah Slane, uh, they are also pioneering and opening their own doors. We see Miss Amy Howe, yet, uh, Um Nygaard Anderson, the CEO of major entities. But let's be real, while there are successes and, and women leading the way, we are still by far, the minority, you know, nine out of 10 instances, as you point out, I am the only female in a meeting. I am the only woman at a large dinner at a conference. I did attend a conference this past fall. There were 75 of us roughly in the room and four females and only of the four females, two of them on the agenda. So do I think that we, and all white, I should say, of the four of us women, all white. This is something that the gaming world has to prioritize. There is much to still be desired. But I do feel that we have made progress. I would like to see more being made. And I think the only way that's going to start to happen is operations and businesses starting to demand that they want to work with more women or uh, my, more minorities, making that a priority.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's tricky, right? Because just sort of sports, uh, sports betting, it's such a broy culture. W- would you say that there is no real like easy path to reverse that or not so much reverse it, but just sort of chip away at it a little bit. It's, it's it's always going to be a challenge, right?
2: Absolutely. And no good thing, though, comes easy, right? So nobody says that this is going to be an easy task for us to tackle. But right now, we seem to always be talking to the same people. Goodness, I love the conferences and the circuit and getting to see folks, but we seem to always be talking to the same folks. And so what we need to be thinking about is how do we reach the women? How do we reach the minorities? How do we make this subject more relatable or of interest? It's about branching out of our comfort zone. Kind of what I'm doing by opening my own firm, right? Taking that chance. Is it possible? We need to start doing that when we really examine how to diversify. And Maybe we start recruiting outside of the industry. Um, I know that's provocative and everybody's talking about the shortage of talent, but maybe that's because we keep going to the same pool and we need to, I don't know, make ourselves a little bit uncomfortable. Let's call 2022 the year that I think we need to start rocking the boat a bit.
0: Yeah, I'll say uh, we were talking to Sue Schneider last month on the podcast. who's a kind of a pioneer, as you as you mentioned, and it, it's weird to me because I'm going back to the early 1990s, pre-internet. Okay, so there was a shortage of uh, females interested in covering like traveling sports, like uh, basketball or hockey or baseball, or whatever. Um, for a lot of reasons, uh, you know, that are uh, sort of not going away, right? But the, the most core one was it's gross going into the NBA locker room at 10 p.m. These guys are literally coming out of the shower. It It's disgusting for a lot of reasons, and it, it's uncomfortable for men, and it's Completely off putting for women. So it was not surprising at the time. It's hard to get a woman to want to, you know, be a traveling NBA writer. But like, fortunately, the sports gaming, modern uh, sports betting, online mobile betting, you know, community doesn't have that issue. So I, I've always been a little surprised why there aren't more women now. That one, you know, I got that. I mean, totally. This one is a little different. So, but I want to ask you about the responsible gaming that, you know, you have a core interest in and uh, kind of maybe a, a review of 2021 and how states did and then look ahead to 2022 because i've always found it a little surprising that so many states have so little interest in putting any funding up for responsible gaming and and helping compulsive gamblers i mean he, for me, it's either like, you know, you really care about this, you're concerned about it, you, you support something to raise revenue, but you're concerned about your community, or even just a cynical, well, let's just throw some money out there so we, we look good. And yet a lot of states don't even do that. So how did 2021 go? And how do you think 22 will go in that standpoint?
2: Well, I I think you're not going to be shocked with my answer about 2021, right? That's a very complicated question because the first thing I want to highlight is I'm really trying to help people understand that there's also a very significant difference between problem gambling and then responsible gambling. And I think it's really important that we highlight that words matter. And both of those things need to be a priority. And we've seen a very significant Lapse in policy addressing both. So let me start here by saying of the 11 states that went live right in 2021, there was a majority that had invested something in problem gambling. So Louisiana at 500,000, New York with an impressive 6 million, Wyoming for the first time came on the map with 300,000. So it's not that. States weren't committing something for funding, but one, is that enough, right? Especially if we're already working from a deficit. As you both have heard me say quite often that the investment traditionally has been so insignificant that we are working from a deficit. So, you know, just putting something in is not enough. The other thing that was very notable for me in 2021 was how the funding was to be allocated or delineated or spent. And it was very limiting in its scope in the majority of states that legalized, meaning it was often authorized only for treatment or in something known as a treatment fund. And there's something known as the problem gambling ecosystem, right? We need to research it. We need to prevent it. We need to treat it. And then we need recovery resources for those that have undergone treatment so they stay healthy. And so when the the funding is limited and it can only go to one aspect of those four, you're not going to really see a significant return on the investment because you're only addressing one piece of that pie. So was it abysmal? Am I able to say it was a complete loss? No. I, I mean, progress is slowly being made in some of these states, especially in ones that had traditionally done nothing. Do I think it's going to really move the needle forward in a positive way? No, I think we've got more to do. And as for the responsible gambling side, this is what we often see addressed within regulations, right, are employers required and And doing things for licensure about how to keep customers safe. Are they mandating education around this important topic? Are they aggressively advertising where people could get help? That's kind of the other side. Responsible gambling. How to keep people and customers engaged and playing safely and responsibly. It's a mixed bag. In some cases, regulations, statutes said nothing around responsible gambling. But then you've got Connecticut that went ahead and did an entire consumer protection bill and did a soft launch seeing about the safety for the market space. So... Like gambling and like the regulations that are fractured and a hot mess when it comes to tax structure, I'm seeing the exact same thing as it relates to problem and responsible gambling. So is there
0: any state that uh, you would say that either uh, has already launched and is going to improve on this front or uh, is not quite legal, but is coming soon? You know, it's like, I don't know, like I said, even from a cynical standpoint, I'm thinking, a state might want to be known as the leader here where they are devoting the most funds and the and the most effectively as you put not not just the number but but the way to do it so is there any uh, kind of a state out there that you think uh, in 2022 is going to try and you know, show that hey we're the ones who are most concerned about this issue we're going to help our constituents the most
2: Hands down, it's Massachusetts. There's not even a question in my mind. Massachusetts has an annual research agenda looking at this uh, topic. They have exhaustive, exhaustive resources, both with the regulator and the Gaming Commission, as well as the Department of Public Health, solely dedicated to addressing both problem and responsible gambling. I mean, they even have information centers within their casinos to help people make better informed decisions about how to play talk about being a front runner hands down when i get asked which you both i'm sure know i get asked quite a bit um who's in who's the leader it's massachusetts
1: Hmm. let's
2: see if they can keep it up with sports betting
1: uh i was gonna say it's it's interesting because massachusetts is a source of frustration for those of us who want to just see sports betting legalized everywhere but you're you're saying when they when they do get there they're at least going to be doing certain parts of it right and better than anyone else.
2: Absolutely. I mean, the proposed legislation, sure, we could debate, has some things to be desired, uh, right? It is a, a point of contention, but look, it was being discussed last year. A lot of people were hopeful for 2021. And then all of a sudden it said, no, actually the commission's wondering if we should do a study around the potential harm or gambling addiction. Well, I can appreciate that's a source of contention and frustration for others in my community and those that I work closely with. That's so refreshing because how many markets have just gone full steam ahead never wrote the words problem or responsible gambling anywhere and now now we've got some problems and some issues so um i'm going to give it to massachusetts kudos to them for what they achieved in the expanded gaming act in 2011 and kudos to them for thinking about how they can continue that positive trend as they move forward into sports wagering i still remain hopeful it's going to happen you guys right i don't know when but i think it will <laughs> right
1: all right well really fascinating insights it's been great uh, talking to you again best of luck with the, the new business and for those listening who are curious uh, the web address is consultbds.com uh, brianne thanks for joining us again on the podcast
2: thanks so much for having me have a great day all
0: right thanks brian two, two men ten thousand dollars will they run it up or blow it all It's time to check in on the gamble on bankroll.
1: We'll get to our NFL playoff picks shortly, but first let's update our betting bankroll where we came out slightly ahead last week. No, thanks to me. Uh, I do have some futures bets cooking that have gained value. Uh, Titans to win the AFC at plus 500, and Alcaraz and Rublev each at 48 to 1 to win the Aussie Open, which those bets actually gained value the instant Djokovic got denied entry shortly after we recorded last week. Uh, but my lone bet that got graded was the three leg teaser I stole from Jeff Edelstein. It would have paid plus 163. The Bucks covered their teased number by 13 and a half. The Chiefs covered their teased number by 14 and a half but the Niners Cowboys over killed us. We missed that by four and a half even after I sold my soul and rooted for Dallas to score at the end. Uh, so I cost us a hundred bucks last week. John, you even that right out with your Bengals Raiders under 49 pick wasn't looking great at halftime, but we got a touchdown free second half to pull it out and win a hundred dollars. And John had a frustrating, but ultimately profitable sweat with Corey Connors to win, finish in the top five, finish in the top 10 and finish in the top 20 in last weekend's golf event John you want to walk us through that heartbreak
0: yeah I, I mean most importantly I was indeed fortunate to hit that NFL under you know Bengals Raiders I thought the Raiders would barely show up and it would be an easy under and all that. And yeah, I kind of was fortunate. So, yeah, the golf, not as much, you know, my entire theory about Connors was right on the mark, except for a bogey double bogey start on Saturday, which in a birdie binge event like this is fatal to the big payout. So that couldn't happen, but still it looked like we would hang on for a top 10 and an extra 80 units at a bankroll. It all came down to Connors three putting from 60 feet in the final hole and one golfer left to possibly ruin us. That's Matt Kuchar, who is a first ballot sneaky Sunday hot finish once there's no chance of winning an event Hall of Fame guy. He gets... Up and down in the last hole, of course, as usual, gets a little extra paycheck, a few extra FedEx Cup points, and uh he's the last golfer to worry about. So we get a solo 11th place. Yeah. Look, it is what it is.
1: Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we still won $91 on the top 20 bet that hit with the 11th place finish. We lost $80 total on the other three bets there. It means we won $11 for the week. So we're now down by $1,947. <laughs> we have exactly $500 on hold in futures bets. So we have $7,553 available to bet this week. And I'm up first. And I had a tough internal debate over which boxing bet to make this weekend. There's a Showtime triple header on Saturday from the Borgata in Atlantic city. Um, I was thinking when this card was announced back around Thanksgiving that I might attend live, but uh, changed my mind with all the Omicron. Uh, Although now, as the experts predicted, we seem to be coming out of it, but still, I'm I'm staying home and watching from my couch. Uh, Anyway, back to the fights themselves. I like the mega-talented Gary Russell Jr. over Mark Moxayo in the main event. The best price I can find is minus 400, and I do think that's a good price, but it just feels silly to risk $100 to win $25 or, or $200 to win $50. So I thought about Russell by decision, which I'm finding as low as minus 110, but that's risky. It's almost as likely to be a stoppage as a decision. Now, the stoppage, Russell by knockout, that's priced at plus 270. That's decent value. That's not really what I think will happen. I'd be betting on the scenario I don't think is the most likely to happen. So instead, I've landed on a two-fight parlay. Yes, another parlay, because um, I think minus 450 favorite Subreal Matias in the co-feature is fairly safe to defeat Petros Ananyan. So I'm taking the two favorites who I think are accurately priced, putting them together, it gets me down to minus minus one eighty nine, Uh, and I'll note that those are two way prices, not three way. And what that means is that a draw in either fight, that doesn't mean we lose the bet. It would just void that part of the bet. Um, so, uh, we're going to be ultimately betting a hundred dollars to win 53 that Russell and Matias both win. Not my most exciting bet ever, but uh, hopefully a nice little W. All
0: right. So I'll try to keep my golf streak going this week. Uh, As the tour returns to the continental U.S. with the classic event in the L.A. area, uh, cuts after 54 holes, not 36, by the way, which is, if necessary, gives you a faint hope even after a rough opening round. So that's a little little consolation. And I think I'll spread the wealth here a little bit after two weeks of focusing on just one player. South Korean Sun Jae Im has three top 12s here and a rare miss cut last week should give him a little bit of a a freshener to boot. So 50 on M at plus 200 for a top 10. Uh Abraham Answer has a second and a fifth here the last two years. And like Corey Connors, he's still a modest bit under the radar. Uh he's not Canadian, he's Mexican American, but uh you know sometimes uh these guys get overlooked a bit. So 50 on Answer just top 20 at plus 140. And then finally some of my hunch win picks in real life have held up of late. So I'll try a modest stab of 10 units on Scotty Scheffler to break his maiden and win at plus 2,000 and 20 more for top five at plus 350.
1: Okay. Uh, spreading it around indeed. Uh, for my second bet, uh, I'm going back to the Aussie Open. Uh, at 5 a.m. Eastern time on Friday, uh, and yes, I will be awake. My body clock is a total jerk. Uh, Rafael Nadal meets Karen Kachanov. Uh, Nadal is between a minus 500 and minus 600 favorite to win the match, uh, but I'm going to bet on him to win in straight sets, which is about even money at some books, but I found it all the way up at plus 135 at FanDuel. Now, these two have played each other seven times over the years. Nadal is 7-0. and and Kachanov has only won one set. Nadal is up 15 to 1 in sets lifetime. They have gone to a few tiebreakers, so it makes me a little nervous. This is no slam dunk, but I feel like Nadal is really fired up for the chance to win an Australian Open. He's only won this tournament once, that was 13 years ago. There's no Djokovic this year. Nadal is 35. It's got to feel like his last best chance. So I like him to be on his game and to win in straight sets. We have to risk $74 to win a hundred.
0: All right. I'm going to try to avoid the over under sweat in the NFL. This time I've got under 54.5 points. That's also on BetMGM. MGM it's the chiefs and bills, uh, one ten to win a hundred. I mean, both of these defenses have dazzled at times down a stretch of the season. So that 54 and a half, that's about a touchdown too high for my expectations.
1: All right, we'll see how that goes, and uh, that leads us right into the way we're going to finish the show, our NFL playoff picks. Neither of us is still alive in the pursuit of the dream 13-0 and postseason run, uh, but we did both get off to a good start. Uh, we agreed on three games, and we were right about all three. We disagreed on the other three, and two of them went my way, so I'm at 5-1, and one and John is at 4-2. and two. Uh, Both off to a good start. It's your turn to pick first this week.
0: All right, we'll start with the early Saturday game. That's Bengals at Titans. Superbook has the Titans favored by three and a half points. You know, I'm happy to be back above 500 overall for the year, even if by the slimmest of margins. (laughs) Uh, My most reluctant and contrarian pick was Steelers to cover versus the Chiefs which was a disaster. And we both were four and one entry Rams Cardinals final game. You confidently and accurately picked the Rams. I admitted I just couldn't get a handle on the game. So I just chose the four points and I chose poorly. So uh, here we go. Uh, all right. Derek Henry's back. We think for the Titans, um, if he's even close to hundred percent, it's going to be tough to pick against the Titans at any line. So I wouldn't actually bet this one before Sunday morning, but we must soldier on and just guess here on Thursday. Um, I have a feeling Joe Burrow is the next big thing and shows it on this stage. So he both covers and wins this game outright.
1: Wow, Cincinnati to win outright, huh? Not that that needs to happen for your pick to come in, but okay. Um, and it's funny, I hadn't thought about it when you when you mentioned you're now uh, slightly over five hundred. I hadn't thought about it, but I just did the quick math <laughs> in my head. For me to finish over five hundred for the whole season, I think thirteen and zero would have gotten me there. But now, now I can't finish over five hundred. Uh, oh well. Uh, so in this game, uh, I don't love giving up the hook at three and a half, and I don't love that Derrick Henry. I expect him to play, but he might. it doesn't sound like he's going to be 100%. He might even be playing with some sort of steel plate in his shoe. Um, But I still think the Titans aren't getting enough respect. I think they're the better all-around team. They can win the wars in the trenches. And if Henry is Henry, that's just a bonus. I like the Titans to cover. So we come out of the gate disagreeing on the first game. Moving on to the second game on Saturday night, it's the 49ers at the Packers. Green Bay is a six-point favorite. The line opened a little closer, but it's come up and it's tough. You know, green Bay has been the most consistent team in the league at covering the spread all season. They had a week off. They're healthier. I heard a stat somewhere that the team coming off the bye, playing the wild card round team that just played the week before is 17 and three against the spread over the last 20. I did not independently verify that, but, uh, what the hell? I think there's, just enough suspicion around Garoppolo being less than a hundred percent that he is having some kind of shoulder issues that even though it's not a great matchup for the Packers, they're at home at Lambeau in the freezing cold in a night game. I think the Packers get it done and cover the six points.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was tempted to fall in love with the first half 49ers, right. And out of love with the second half version of the, of the 49ers versus the Cowboys. So here, I, I think Aaron, Aaron Rodgers Benefits far more from their nail-biter win over the 49ers early in the season than the 49ers do. And if Nick Bosa isn't healthy after that concussion, right. 49ers secondary gets exposed in a big way. So, yeah, give me the pack, and I give the six points also. Okay. And then uh, moving on to Sunday, we have the Rams of the Bucks. Uh Tampa's a three-point favorite. I prefer a hook here to three and a half, but I still like the Rams at this spot. You know, both teams basically had scrimmage wins last week, but the Rams, I think after a swoon there in the second part of the season, I think they're going to be peaking at the right time and they win this one outright as well.
1: If yeah, this comes down to health for me, uh, both teams looked great last week, albeit against young quarterbacks who froze in their respective postseason debuts, but the Cardinals are better than the Eagles and the Rams manhandled them on both sides of the line and the Bucks picked up some offensive line injuries on route to beating the Eagles. Brady was getting sacked more as the game wore on. I'm not sure how they're going to keep Aaron Donald and company off of him. Uh, so now we come back to what I said at the beginning of the show, that, that betting against Tom Brady is a good way to lose money, but I'm going to go against that. Uh, I, like you, I like the Rams to win outright here, so I am definitely going to take them getting the three points. And lastly, it's the Bills at the Chiefs. This line has dropped a point from where it opened. It's now Kansas City minus one and a half. At two and a half or three, I was definitely going with the Bills. Now it's tougher. I I don't know. I've been doubting the Chiefs all season long. Um, Not against the Steelers last week, fortunately. But in general, I've been questioning whether their offense is on par with what it was the last two seasons. And I'm getting the feeling this is Josh Allen's time. This is the toughest call of the week for me. But I guess I may as well stick to my guns, go down in flames, waiting for the Chiefs to fail. I'll take Buffalo plus one and a half.
0: All right. Yeah, earlier I picked the under here, which may or may not have hinted that I love the Bills in this Uh, A big change from their earlier meeting by the Bills is the improvement of the Chiefs defense, but they still can and won't stop Josh Allen from running for for even more frustrating third down conversions than Patrick Mahomes does. He's usually the guy that uh, torments the other team, but Josh Allen is the king of this, I think. So enough for the Chiefs. And yes, Andy Reid, time for some new blood in the AFC.
1: All right, so we agree on three out of four. So now the question is, do I go and place a real-life parlay bet just on the three that we agree on? Because if I had done that last week, I would have won. Uh, no. <laughs> well, all right. At least you thought about it for a half second before telling me no, at least. So I appreciate the consideration. That'll do it for this episode of gamble on. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Brian Dora Shawal. you can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow us bets at us underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Spreaker, Apple podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, John, take us out.
0: Well, in spite of some sky-is-falling predictions, the victors in the New York State mobile sports betting battle are offering all sorts of lucrative enticements to get people to sign up. Now, FanDuel has one that allows you to risk quote-unquote up to 50 bucks that the Knicks either win on Thursday night or lose to the Pelicans by fewer than... Well, the spread of love promotion has moved the line to more than Nick's plus 135 points <laughs> the last time I checked. Now, I know we like to say there's no such thing as a sure thing, but yeah, that's not true. So if you're in New York or if you know somebody in New York who already has an account and you're confident they bet responsibly, you might as well tip them off to the free 45 bucks, right? Um, I'm going to be driving out there later this afternoon, actually. <laughs> um, but if you know someone who may be in other aspects of their life, get a little too, you know, focused, uh, discretion might be advisable. You know, I signed up with several sports books in New Jersey in mid 2018, partly for professional reasons too. And uh, I took the immediate bonuses and the occasional freebies like this and. You know, for all this time, I've quite literally been playing with house money. It's been gently explained to me by real gamblers that it doesn't really qualify as gambling, per se, when, you, when we don't bet your own money. And I respect that, but I'm not changing my ways at this age. I, I guess I don't want to bet my own money. I enjoy betting there. So here we are in our biggest state yet with legal sports betting available at your smartphone fingertips it's like an incentive-laden credit card, right? You get all sorts of perks, and after a free first year of the card, if then your annual fee of 75 or 100 bucks, if it's still lower than the value of your airline miles or hotel points, whatever you're getting, then you still win. But if something unexpected happens in your life and suddenly you can't pay off your balance in full, the interest rates easily can leave you in the red to kind of eat you alive. So not only do we need to consider our own personal potential risks of opening some mobile betting accounts, we have to do the same thing trying to figure out if we can, Which family members and friends do we point in the direction of this free money? And which, well, we probably should not contact about these new opportunities. It's a dilemma for sure. Um, And with that, until next time, gamble on, but yes, do it responsibly and look out for each other.